When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. What's going on, everyone? Taylor Kyles here for CLNS Media, bringing you another episode of Pratt's Daily, brought to you by our friends at FanDuel and SeatGeek. More from them later. But the Patriots season has reached its merciful conclusion. They finished 4-13 after what was a bittersweet loss to the Jets. You're, you know, you're sad that Matthew Slater and Bill Belichick, maybe even David Andrews, are potentially ending their Patriots tenures on a sour note. Obviously, more on Belichick later. But on the plus side, they now have secured the third overall pick in the draft, which pretty much guarantees they'll be able to get one of the top quarterbacks, whether it means moving up for somebody or standing pat and waiting for somebody that they like. If, you know, they like a lot of different people to fall into their lap. We're going to discuss that, but first, introduce my buddy, family member at CLNS Media and WEEI's finest, Mike Cadlick. Mike, how you doing, brother? I'm good. We're here. We're back. The uh, The season came to an end today, but we are already uh, chopping up the offseason. We got plenty to get to, so uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do it. We'll uh, start this thing off right. I, I was going to say, I, I saw you earlier. You know, all of us, are, all of our beat buddies said goodbye as if it was the last day of school, but now we're already back to it. So it's like nothing changed. Let me see if I can bring up the picture that we had real quick. I'll <laughs> yeah. share the screen so everybody can see just just how sweet it was. We were, So we talked to Belichick. We were there. We, uh, we were watching him on Zoom or, you know, whatever it was. And then we went into the locker room. We talked to some people, got some, uh, got some words. And then here it is. Look how adorable we are. Look at that. Just a couple of buddies with the best damn job in the world. Bingo. I tried to get the lighthouse in there. I couldn't know. It was an awkward angle. But anyway. All right. Go to my page. You can see the lighthouse. We said goodbye to the lighthouse for one last time before they knock it down after this terrible season. (laughs) (laughs) The lighthouse that isn't technically a lighthouse. But ah, that's another here there. Okay. So, like I said, Bill Belichick spoke to the media for what's going to be the last time this season. He was surprisingly candid. One, he acknowledged the fact that he has a contract. Go Mm -hmm. figure. (laughs) <laughs> he never talks about it, never discloses anything about his contract, but he did say he is still under contract for next season. We knew it, but again, it was surprising to hear him say it. Even more surprising was him acknowledging that he would be willing to take a step back personnel-wise. He mentioned that you know he works with a lot of different people. He's just a part of a bigger system. Uh, but one thing I thought was interesting, and I haven't seen this go around. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. You know, maybe... I misinterpreted, but I also thought it was pretty interesting that he noted that somebody has to have final say. Mm-hmm. So to me, considering this is still Bill Belichick we're talking about, he was definitely more contrite than I expected. And we've been talking about how if there's any chance of him keeping his job, he needs to go to Robert Kraft and be like, yeah, I have to. Like, I got a lot of things to fix. He said right. there's a lot of things we got to fix moving forward. But he did say, like I said, somebody's got to be, you know, the final say in these decisions, which is probably going to be him. So from your perspective. What did you think of all the comments in general? I want your broad thoughts, but also what did you think of that part of the comment? Cause that was what really stuck with me. Yeah. The final say thing was interesting. You're right. I think a lot of people kind of brushed by that. Um, but as far as his comments in general, I just, it really felt like, uh, you know, he was 
he was playing into the fact, like you mentioned, that he did have a contract. He always says he never talks about his contract. He always says that's basically whenever someone asks him about it, it's none of our business, and that's between him and the organization. But now when it comes down to it, the season's over. Um, he knows, the Crafts know, everybody knows that a decision is, is uh, you know, coming down the pipe for him uh, with the franchise. He now puts it out there that he's under contract. So basically what that tells me is, he is going to play hardball with the crafts and he's mm -hmm. not going to take it lightly when they ask him, you know, do you want to part ways? Can we part ways? If they do ask him that, um, mm -hmm. I think he wants the money that he's owed. Um, and I think that he doesn't want to part ways and potentially give that up. So by him saying that he's under contract, that means that no, if you want to get rid of me, you're going to have to fire me. Otherwise I'm coming back to work tomorrow and we're doing this whole thing again, because that's all I know. He said it, you know, we brought, he mentioned his father this morning when we, when we talked to him mm -hmm. uh, saying that you know, that was a lesson that I was taught was that until somebody tells you to stop working and you're under contract, you work for them. And I see his point. Like I don't, what else is he supposed to do right now? Like he is under contract and he is owed a ton of money next season. He has one of the more lucrative contracts in sports and in sports history. So uh, it, it seems like a smart negotiating tactic for Bill to kind of lean on the fact that I'm still here and you're going to have to jump through hoops if you don't want me here. Otherwise, I'm coming back to make my money. It also tells me that he does want to stay. Like mm -hmm. if if he has it his way, he wants to stay and try and rebuild this thing. And I think that he's sort of playing up the, oh, yeah, I am an employee and I'm under contract. And, oh, if you need to bring in a GM, sure, I'll do whatever you need because I'm staying and I'm making that money somehow. So, um I don't know if he's back. I think some people kind of read into the fact that he was very, you know, playing, playing for the company and, you know, I'm a Patriot. Mm -hmm. We work together, but, and man, if he's going to play this kind of hardball after this whole thing, it just, it feels like the crafts are going to have to make a difficult decision here. And Tommy Curran, our friend Tom from NBC sports Boston mm -hmm. reported today that it's not going to come today. So we won't have to jump off this stream uh, or actually live <laughs> react to it because uh, it's probably going to happen later this week, but, Long story short, uh, he was very much, uh, I feel like he very much used that media uh, media session with us as, uh, you know, a negotiating tactic with the crafts earlier this week. Yeah, and I think we've seen Bill control the narrative throughout this season. Like, we've had the reports from Tom, and then in Rappaport tends to, you know, push back and give his thoughts. Right. And it's pretty well understood that, you know, Tom is probably speaking for the crafts or, you know, kind of being the person who they're expressing their opinions through. And then Ian Rappaport is really more in Belichick's camp sure. saying what he's been thinking. I mean, again, Rappaport's the one who reported that Belichick was still under contract and all these things. And now we're actually hearing from Belichick, him saying himself that he is under contract, which I thought was interesting. But... You know, we've gone back and forth on this so much where the report came out with uh, Andrew Callahan and Doug Kine, where mm -hmm. they mentioned for the Herald, where they mentioned that it was a pretty toxic environment where maybe Belichick wasn't letting Bill O'Brien build a staff. He didn't even want Bill O'Brien. He wanted to keep Matt Patricia. He got, you know, Adrian Clem Crazy. square pegging <laughs> around Cole. Yeah, it's just it was a really weird situation. So, I mean, was what you saw today enough to kind of sway you one way or the other? Because. I'm like a little bit more of like, okay, I think Belichick has a better chance to keep his job. But at the same time, I think a clean, I, it, I, I don't like saying this because if it was just Belichick, the coach, hell yeah. Just like mm -hmm. keep him back and have Bill O'Brien really just take control of the offense. And, you know, like I've said, let him pick his own groceries and all those things, maybe advance the scheme or what have you. But the general manager part is huge because this isn't a one or two year thing. This is several years 
of the offense taking players that yep. don't pan out, signing free agents to deals that were too big for what they ended up giving you. Juju, just being a recent example, even extend Devontae Parker. And that didn't work out where, sure, he gave you a little bit more under Zappi. But the effort has been inconsistent, and he's always hurt. It's one thing when he's hurt and he's giving you big plays, and you know he's he's unk. He's the guy that all the receivers right. seem to love. But it's a different thing when you're looking at the tape, and it's like, man, I really don't know what he's doing out there. So, again, do you feel any differently, or what do you? How do you feel? Do you think Bill's out, or do you think that he's probably going to return? I I did feel like he was going to be back for about ten minutes today, right after that press conference. It really felt like you know. He wanted to be back. And, you know, when he plays on your heartstrings, even as a former fan, still a fan, but also, you know, now a reporter covering the team, it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, like, well, like this could be it for Bill. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like maybe I don't want this to actually happen yet. I was saying to you guys earlier that I was driving in listening to the Greg Hill show and they were playing like sad music for their rejoins. And I was like, <laughs> it's like, wow, this is, this could actually be it. Like this shouldn't happen. But at the end of the day, and we talked about it earlier, me and you, like it's, they need to a change needs to happen here and whether that is bringing in a gm whether that is moving on from belichick whether that is him just saying look i will be more collaborative and actually mean it this time mm -hmm. something has to give you can't just run it back it's been too bad for too long here ever since Tom brady left and you know, what we were saying too was that how easy is it going to be to just bring in a general manager like exactly bill has been final say for so long here he has been involved in personnel in scouting in drafting in trades in all of that stuff so if he were to take a step back that's in theory him taking a demotion and then them putting a general manager above him on the totem pole so in that case there's going to be some you know there should be some infighting in that situation. I wouldn't really blame Bill if he did push back saying, you know, no, I've done this for 25 years. I know what I'm doing. I don't have to listen to you. And if he says, well, I do have to listen to you. They both report to Kraft. It's just, that just feels like a disaster waiting to happen. So like, and I, I've, I've talked about sort of the 49ers approach where they took John Lynch and they took Kyle Shanahan in the same off season. Mm -hmm. They hired them together. They wanted to work together. They signed them to the same length contract every single or every single time. They, they signed a six-year deal at first. They signed their extensions together. We were in this together, same footing at the same time. Bringing in somebody staggered like this just throws the hierarchy off. You saw it with, in, we'll get to, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee where they fired John Robinson and then Rand Carthen comes in and there's, there's infighting there because it's like, mm -hmm. it's just an awkward dynamic when you try and do it this way. So I do think, Ultimately, the right decision here is a clean break with Belichick and a brand new, you know, brand new GM, brand new head coach. And it was great for so long, but it's not working now. Let's let's start anew. And I think the crafts um, ultimately will will have to and probably will make that decision. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the best case scenario is he brings in someone who he respects and has history with, like if Scott Pioli wants to leave media or Thomas Dimitrov, you know, somebody. But those are also guys who Belichick brought up. So how much say are they going to have over him? How weird is that going to be? And there's also the fact that Belichick still can scout defensive players. Mm -hmm. Like, should he have taken three when he had a ton of holes on his offense last year? I didn't think it was a big deal when I was proven horribly, horribly wrong. But you're talking about a guy. We yelled at each other. Like, we yelled at each other on our draft coverage with Zanis for like for like hours on that. And they look, they're yeah. still going to be pretty good players in Gonzalez right. and Mapu. Like they all played well, but it's just it's not what this team needed. And you saw mm -hmm. it this season. Yeah, and 
and the fact that Belichick still can't find defensive talent, it's the offense. So what kind of situation are we going to have here? Is it that mm -hmm. Belichick just doesn't really give as much feedback for offense, but then for defense he can? It just it seems like a weird situation. And there's also actually an opportunity for you to one either elevate. We're going to talk about you know head coaching situation a little later, but you have a chance to get guys who you know and are familiar with in the building and elevate them because at some point Belichick's not coaching another ten years. Be totally honest. The guy's probably not going to be right. doing this into his 80s. So at some point, you got to rip the band-aid off, and you have people in place who could prospectively be really good for your organization. So how does that work exactly? Where you know you get the new GM, but maybe it'd probably be better if you got a GM who's going to stick around for a long time and also has a relationship with whichever head coach it's going to be their first season. So I think it just sets up a really weird dynamic. And the more I think about it, especially after that report where you see how toxic things were between the coaching staff and the front office, I really really just think he needs significant change both in that front office and in the dynamic with the coaching staff, whether it's, you know, Mayo leading the charge overall and being the CEO and also mm -hmm. influencing the defense. And then he says, Hey, you know, kind of how Belichick did with Josh McDaniels and Charlie Rice, where he's like, this is your side of the ball. You know, I'm going to give you real full control. And we've and seen it felt like that was, it felt like that was going to be the case with Bill O'Brien. Those were the reports mm -hmm. early where O'Brien has the offense, Bill, o Bill Belichick's out of it. But clearly you know, we keep going back to the Herald of Bill's, Bill's hands were all over it. He was working with the offensive line. He didn't allow O'Brien to, uh, you know, hire his own staff. So that's something that if Mayo does that, that's kind of what the direction has to be because it worked in the past with McDaniels and they just didn't let it happen with O'Brien this year. I wonder how different it would have actually been given, you know, the lack of quarterback play. But it's something we'll never really know because they never actually did it that way. Belichick just tried to make it seem like that. And then clearly it, that wasn't the case at all. And just that... And then even adding on to that, is there going to be tension in the coaching staff? Even if you do make some changes, then you're going to have to fire some people, bring people in. Like, what's the situation going to be with Belichick? How on board is he going to be with that? Is the kind of thing where he's kind of reluctant and just does it because he understands it's what's best for the team. But then as a human being, that side comes into it. It's 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 something we could talk about forever because we don't mm -hmm. know. This is purely speculation, but these are the things that matter. And whether Belichick is willing to take that step back, truly, you still don't know whether or not he's going to say, all right, you know, it, whoever comes in, I'm going to let them have the final say or whether he wants it. You know, the dynamic, it just seems weird. In my opinion, with everything that we know, I just think you got to move on. It feels like time. It's yep. Yeah, it's, just, it's not a healthy situation. This isn't just fix the offense. This is, oh, there was infighting and that's. I think you need a change in culture. We did hear some rumors surrounding where Belichick could end up, who could potentially replace him. We'll get into that, but first, a quick word from our friends at FanDuel. We'll be back. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. 
See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, so we've heard some mumbling. Justina Anderson reported last week that the NFC South teams are really interested in Bill Belichick. Today it was mentioned by a couple of people that the Falcons have had internal discussions about whether or not to bring Bill Belichick in, although in the Patriots building they've said it's the status quo. Now, I don't think there's a lot of great head coaching situations in the NFL right now. I think you look at the Chargers. Everyone says Justin Herbert, great L.A. weather. I mean, I've been in L.A. Let's not forget that, you know. (laughs) I mean, but it's also smoggy as hell, if we're being totally honest. I don't know if a 70-something-year-old man wants to have to deal with that. But I just don't think there's a lot of situations where it's, you know, you have to completely rebuild the roster or you don't have a lot of money or the uh, draft position isn't great. You know, Washington, they have a new owner, but their team needs a lot of help. You're talking about the Patriots having a bad offense. The Commanders have some pieces for sure, but they still need their quarterback. They still need some help. And they had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. One of the best places I've maintained would be the Falcons. I'm going to bring up the depth chart just so we can take a look because I do think this is a solid position. Now, in terms of cap, they're like, I think they're 16th in the amount of cap space they're supposed to have. So not great. But at the same time, they don't need quite as much help. They really need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they've got a top 10 pick. So they, you're, they're probably not going to get a Jaden Daniels unless they trade up, or you know they're not going to get one of those top three guys everyone's talking about. But if you like Michael Penix Jr. and you add him to an offense like this, I think you're cooking with some gas. So at wide receiver, they've got Drake London, who has just been horribly misused by Arthur yep. Smith, who was released at midnight. Cold world we live in. Yeah. Van Jefferson, who had some flashes when he was with the Rams. A good offensive line. Jake Matthews. Matthew Bergeron was drafted out of Syracuse last year. Uh, Drew Dahlman. Chris Lindstrom, one of the best guards in football. Caleb McGarry, who, you know, there was talk about whether the Patriots should get him. I thought he was really more of a run block blocker yep. than a pass protector. But he had himself a good year as well. Kyle Pitts. You don't really know where he's at. I know he's been injured, and it's hard to see. Just get Kyle Pitts right, though, and he can be one of, like, the most dynamic players in football. Like – there we go. Even yeah. if he's lost some juice, like he's right. still, and he actually does try in the run game. He's not a great run blocker, but if you're a tight end who gives effort, that's like 60% of the battle right there. Yep. And then, of course, B. John Robinson, he can do anything you need. If you get like a Josh McDaniels in there with Bill Belichick, I think that could be a good offense there. And then you look at the defense. Now, Grady Jarrett's on injured reserve. 
He's one of the best defensive tackles in all of football. Calais Campbell is going to be a free agent, but as you mentioned uh, off air, he has expressed interest in coming back. Mm -hmm. So that's a really nasty interior you've got already. David Onyemata, really good pass rusher. I haven't studied him too closely. I don't know if he's rounded out his game as a run defender or not, but he is a really talented player as well. Uh, then you got some names on here that I'll be totally honest. I'm not super familiar with. This is an out of conference opponent. I mean, AJ Terrell, DeMarco Hellams was Terrell. a rookie last year. Like they, they do. Dupree, they have some he's not yep. nothing. But the pre's right. not nothing. You got a couple young guys. Okay, so you got Demarco. Hella. I'm not. I'm not, not going to do that. The seventh round pick. But Clark Phillips, fourth round pick. That's around the area where Belichick can really make things happen. And Mike Hughes, solid player. And they signed Jesse Bates, who's another one of the best safeties in football. So that's a good situation for Belichick. He doesn't have to go in and completely blow things up. The offense is set. Get yourself a quarterback. Get an offensive coordinator you trust. And you're good. And then, as I said, the defense has plenty of pieces. And with a guy like Bill Belichick, he's going to bring the best out of those guys. So what do you think of Belichick with the Falcons? And do you think maybe they're not the best spot and there could be another place like the Chargers who would be better for him? <laughs> I mean, I've connected Belichick to the Chargers ever since that was floated a few months ago. Um, we've we've hashed that out both on air and off air before um, mm -hmm. as far as their cap situation. You know, the players they have there. But let's talk Falcons for now because I do think it's actually uh, – a decent spot for him and you talk about um you know does does bill want to leave does he just want to stay in new england where he understands you know he knows the culture and he's he he, he lives in the area like he, he it's very familiar for him to just stay in foxborough if he wants to but you know atlanta's an east coast city like it's it's not mm -hmm. it's a change but you know when you're when you're filthy rich it can fly all over the place it's not really that far away like i mean if he if he wants a place to you know hunger down again, Atlanta, that, that could work for him. And you look at that roster. I mean, I'm telling you that offense outside of the quarterback is in a very, very, very good place. Like they have some serious weapons. You have Bijan, Drake London, and Kyle Pitts, all first round picks in your last three seasons. Uh, the mm -hmm. offensive line, like you mentioned, is in a good spot. And so you do, I mean, look, you go in there and you draft Michael Penix, you bring Belichick, you bring Josh McDaniels in to run your offense. And that offense can, almost immediately i'm sure like actually be like a top fit 10 15 unit uh in football mm -hmm. and then you bring bill and you know he brings good i don't care bring matt patricia to run the offense again like run it all the way back you know take atlanta the team now i'm getting a little crazy but uh it, steve belichick steve belichick goes down and runs the defense and now now you're mm -hmm. you're actually you know you have a contender i mean it, could you imagine if the Bill Belichick goes to Arthur Blank's football team, the team that he came back 28 to three, down 28 to three in the Super Bowl, you know, seven, eight, whatever, however many years ago it was at this point, and goes and wins one with him in Atlanta. Like, that's almost a better story than uh, Brady leaving to go to um, Tampa because, you know, he wins it with the team that they just beat. Like, I just, I do. I think that that's a very interesting, a very interesting spot for him. Uh, will it happen? Who knows? Um, but he has mm -hmm. an owner who he can work with. Um, I'm sure it's a place that they would allow him to have full control. I think any place outside of New England should allow him to have full control. And you, you talk about mm -hmm. culture issues and what's gone on here. Like, it's not working here. That's a fact. And it's gotten ugly here. And there is some infighting. But his culture can still work in a new building, in a new environment. Like, anywhere he goes, it's a reset button. It's a hard reset button everywhere. You go. You run personnel. You bring in the quote-unquote Patriot way in a new system. I'm down for it. I think Atlanta's a pretty good spot for it. The other place I mentioned it, the Chargers, I'll say it quick. I know they're in some salary cap troubles and their good players are either hurt or oh. make a ton of money. <laughs> and old, right, exactly. Old. <laughs> but that, that feels like 
it almost is like it's ready-made, like two years. Like, get a healthy year out of Mike Williams, God forbid. Keenan Allen, get one year out of him. You have one of the best quarterbacks in football. A guy who's experienced-ish in the salary cap kind of helps you get out of it. I know you hate it. I see it in your face. But I'm still not ruling out the Chargers for Bill Belichick here. Uh, this but is Atlanta also like, make a lot of sense. This is We also have to remember that this is a Chargers team that Belichick, anytime he faces them, just puts the cap on. They do not do anything against Bill Belichick. So, like right. – if you're, you just want to go head to head, I think he's going to understand like, yeah, this team needs a lot of help. And I don't know if I'm necessarily the guy who's going to fix both sides of the ball. And then another thing is ownership. You mentioned Arthur Blank. A big mm-hmm. part of this, especially with Bill, is he does want control, but he's also going to want an owner he knows isn't going to pull uh, pull the rug out from under him right. and is going to actually give him that control and not interfere. Like we talked about the Cowboys, Jerry Jones and Bill Belichick. That does not sound like a good combination because Jerry Jones is infamous for overreaching right. and getting involved in the operations. We talked about, you know, the Panthers keep getting connected to Bill Belichick. And I'm like, there is no way that Bill Belichick is going to hitch his wagon to David Tepper. I'm nope. sorry. That's not happening. Like, you know, the Panthers do have a good defense. Derek Brown, defensive tackle, nose tackle, I think, uh, yep. most of the time, has 100 tackles. That's, yeah, it was, that's a, a, that was an that's NFL fake. record, right? It ha- I, I would assume so. Yeah, that's insane. It. I don't even... I don't even know how you do that. (laughs) So they have a really – they have some pieces on defense for sure. Offensively, they obviously need a ton of help, but they have a young quarterback who if you give him an offensive line that could, you know, not get the crap kicked out of him, then maybe they'll be solid. But I just don't see Belichick and Tepper being a good match. He's also been linked to the commanders. Now, pro football talk, Mike Florio did mention that they weren't an option, but Ian Rappaport said they were an option. Or was Mm. it – It was was flipped, but you – Yeah, my bad. They were deferring reports regardless. Yeah. Right. And even that, you know, I don't the D.C. connection because Bill grew up in that area. So, you know, that does make a lot of sense. But even still like that defense, could Bill turn it around? Sure. But they also need a lot of help. They've got good draft capital. But that's one where I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. And it's also a young owner. I don't know how eager Belichick would be to do something like that. Whereas, again, with an Arthur Blank, he's got a history in the league. He's very well known. He's very well respected and regarded. I feel like that just the Falcons are a match made in heaven. Yeah, and the Commanders are also right now just going like on a scorched earth, like full-fledged hunt with, you know, they hired the two basketball guys today, Bob Myers and mm-hmm. I forget who else, to kind of basically be their in, in-house consulting firm to bring in the right people. Mm-hmm. And they're already out like hire, trying to hire general managers. So I don't know if that's a, the case with Belichick anymore. I mean, they may still sniff around, but I don't know if Bill would go there if he didn't have general manager power and if they're, you know, trying to do this whole new coach, new GM type thing to, you know, flourish for years to come. I just don't know if Belichick's the right spot for that. Agreed. So coming back to the Patriots, if Belichick were to leave, Mike Vrabel, our buddy Jordan Schultz reported that he would be interested in coming to the Patriots if things don't work out with the Titans. Now, this is a weird one for me because if there was no succession, yeah, because I mean, if there was no succession plan, then I'd be like, hell yeah, bring Vrabel back in the building because I'm not really of the mindset that you need an offensive-minded coach. Does it help? Absolutely. But nothing helps an offense like a great defense. And I think a guy like Vrabel, we've seen those Titans teams, you know, they don't get very far in the playoffs. They haven't been good recently. But I think a lot of that is attributed to the fact that they don't have a great offense and haven't really had a great offense outside of Derrick Henry in Vrabel's tenure with the team. But that defense is consistently tough, and he knows how to coach, obviously gets a ton of respect from players. And I don't think the Titans really want to let him go, but it just seems like, as you mentioned, with the GM situation, it just isn't super healthy. 
in a vacuum, I love the fit. Vrabel even came back when he was inducted mm-hmm. in the Patriots Hall of Fame and said we, which was wild when you were actively coaching another team. I don't care that you used to play for the team. That is a crazy thing to say about a team that's in your own conference. So that was pretty nuts. Again, I like it on paper. But Gerard Mayo has been in waiting. We know the Crafts think very highly of him. They have pretty similar resumes. So obviously, Vrabel was around during the first dynasty. He played like Gerard Mayo. He has Super Bowl ring, but I think he had a torn peck that year. So he didn't mm-hmm. actually play in that Super Bowl. Vrabel is more accomplished, but these are still two highly respected guys. Mayo might end up in the Patriots Hall of Fame himself one day. They have similar resumes, but Vrabel is the one who has the experience coaching. You know what you're going to get out of him. And Mayo is someone where you're going to say, I'm not sure what I'm going to get, but he's got such great business acumen. He's been in the building for years. We know that players respect him. There was, you know, the whole thing of it seemed like a coach might have leaked that uh, they didn't like how he was doing things. And Mayo was super transparent with us. And honestly, I – I, it's, it's I, nobody really cares what I think in that building, but I also think that if someone doesn't like what the way he was running things, I think that he was a uh, point when he said that, you know, sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable. People aren't going to like when you say, Andy is like, say it to my honest. face, like say it to my face. Don't just go leak it out to the media. Like I liked that. I mean, he's, he's right. He's completely right yep. in that. Like let's, let's figure this out in house. Cause there's no reason for yep. you to just go leak this, but. All right. So I've been going on long enough. I want your take here. Does Mike Vrabel make sense when you have Gerard Mayo in waiting? Or do you say, hey, hitch our wagon to Vrabel because it's just a perfect fit. We know that he can coach the hell out of a football team. We try to keep Mayo around as long as we can. If he leaves, it is what it is. Maybe a hire to Marcus Covington, elevate him as a coordinator. If he doesn't get a head coaching job himself, what do you think is the best course of action for them? Or do you think there's another candidate that seems even better than either one of those guys? I love I love the idea of bringing Vrabel here. I love the fit. I think we talked about it a few segments ago where you kind of want a clean break here between Mm -hmm. the Belichick tree and Mike Vrabel isn't really a part of the Belichick tree. I mean, in theory, he is because he was under O'Brien in in Houston, but like he's never actually really coached on Belichick staff. So while they do act the same, they're different. They've he's built his own little coaching tree down there. He has his own assistants who he wants to work with. And, you know, if you bring Mayo in, and he becomes the successor. It is still a like a relative, if you will, to you know, the Belichick Patriot way that was here. It really is probably only getting rid of Bill and maybe Brian and Steve Belichick. Other than that, like I feel like it's just trying to have some continuity, which which the Crafts love. So I think they would probably mm-hmm. maybe prefer it. I don't know because it seems like they have an affinity for Bramble now too. So it's kind of up in the air. But my my mm-hmm. point is, and my opinion is. If you keep Mayo, you're still going to have DeMarcus Covington. You're still probably going to have Bill O'Brien. You're still probably going to have, you know, you know whether it's Pellegrino and Will Long and Troy Brown will probably be gone. But you, you get the point, right? It's You get rid of Bill, you have Mayo as the head guy, and you keep the staff and you keep the interior. Where if you go Vrabel, you can kind of clean house for a better lack of a better word. Like maybe O'Brien comes back, but Vrabel will probably bring in a new staff. He'll probably bring in a new – you know, front office, they'll probably, if they get rid of Mayo and they bring Vrabel and they'll probably hire a true GM and he'll have his own scouting department and his whole, you know, his own, you know, draft scouting and college and pro, what have you, like all that, you know, all the inner workings will change. And I kind of think that's what you need. I, I, I don't know. I mean, look, this, these infighting and the, the, the troubles, do they really move? You get rid of Bill and you keep basically the whole staff. I don't know. We'll have to see. So that's, that's my point on that is that if you bring in Vrabel, a guy who clearly, you know, it, it was reported that he wants to come back. Um, 
and clearly the crafts want him back. If, if these, you know, the rumblings keep coming out, they had him back last year. Uh, he really, I think Ben Volan from the Boston Globe reported a couple months ago that, you know, that would be the crafts home run. If they can make it happen, I, I love the fit. I think it's awesome because it's a, it's a Patriot guy, but it's a new sort of regime. It's a regime change and it's mm -hmm. the Patriots new where if it keeps Mayo, as much as I think Mayo is ready, it's sort of just the same thing all over again with a little bit of a change up top. See, that's where I disagree. Okay. I understand. Let's go. And I hear a lot that, so I hear a lot about the cleaning house. Yeah. I feel like it sounds good because we're still stuck in this. Like the season was awful. Cleaning house has so many domino effects mm -hmm. and no one is saying the defense was a problem. You'd look at the report. Who's saying anything about, uh, obviously the report about Gerard Mayo is what it is. Who's saying anything bad about Demarcus Covington or Mike Pellegrino? Right. Like they're not the guys who are being criticized. It's the offense and that dysfunction and their inability to find talent in the front office. I think that you want to keep the defensive staff because they did a great job. This is a team that finished ninth in defensive DVOA after losing their two best players in week mm -hmm. four. How many breakouts have we seen? We saw Christian Barmore broke out. Anthony Jennings broke out. Jabro Peppers broke out. Alex Austin did a great job filling in after the whole up and down thing with J.C. Jackson. Jelani mm -hmm. Tavai had a career season. I just Devon Godshaw continues to be an elite nose tackle. I just don't think it's as easy as just you want to get rid of everybody. Now, obviously, like if, if Vrabel has a staff that he wants to assemble and the cleaning house means that you have consistency in terms of Vrabel gets his guys, I'm a little different on that. Like if they sure. really want Vrabel, I'm not going to be here and pout because Gerard Mayo didn't get his opportunity in New England. Right, right, Because, right, right. again, he's established. I get that. I just think it's weird that the connection's being made when everyone – you know, Gerard Mayo's been the talk of the town until everything with, with uh, Mike Vrabel started popping up. Mm -hmm. I think that you just give Bill O'Brien more control because, as we've talked about, he's been a general manager. He's been a head coach. Obviously, it didn't work out very well because the whole thing with DeAndre Hopkins, some of the decisions he made – like. It wasn't a perfect situation. I do think he's matured. At least like when our, in our interactions with him, he's very self-aware. I think he's as transparent as he can possibly be while also walking the company line. Mm -hmm. So I think offensively, if you just give Bill O'Brien a fair shot, and we also know the Crafts wanted him here, he doesn't seem like, seem like he's in a rush to leave or anything like that. So I think it makes more sense to give him a fair shot. And I know that you, know, you want to clean house and with the toxicity and the staff, surrounding Belichick, you want to get rid of that. But Gerard Mayo is a really smart guy. Not only has he watched Belichick work as a player and then watched his evolution as a coach on his staff, he also has seen the mistakes Belichick has made. Belichick this morning acknowledged, like, yeah, we have a lot of things we got to fix. Gerard knows that. I'm sure he knew it and, you know, was probably one of the people who was like, damn, man, we, we, we got to figure this out. Yeah, we, yeah, so, we got some I don't, shit I don't know that, but he's – He's a smart guy. So I also right. think he would bring in a different culture. Like, think about our interviews with him. Talking mm -hmm. to Bill Belichick and Gerard Mayo, completely different ends of the spectrum. Where, like we mentioned, Gerard Mayo, when the whole thing came out about um, somebody questioning him and saying that, you know, he was rubbing people the wrong way, he was honest with us. I don't think Belichick would have said anything. He would have been like, yeah, we said that's just reporting. We don't get into unnamed sources stuff. Like, yeah, right. exactly. And, Bell, and, and Mayo was like, nah, that was not cool. And, and gave a great response to it. I thought it was phenomenal. So I just, again, I, I, if it weren't for Gerard, 
I would be ecstatic about the idea of Rabel. But I also think, like, then what were you doing with Gerard? If you don't think he's ready, that's one thing, obviously. But I don't know if that's the case because they kept him here. They clearly saw something in him and wanted to retain him. Now, whether that was because they wanted him to be the, you know, the next gen- or the next head coach of the team, I don't know that for sure. And I will also, you know, there's also the fact that they still need a general manager. Like, we... You don't know where Mike Vrabel, it may be easier for him to find somebody he agrees with because, you know, he's been in these circles for a little while longer, which Rod Mayo has kind of been sure. lower on the totem pole. doesn't even have a real title. So maybe he doesn't right. really. Um, is he's a linebacker. The general coach, that's insane to me still. Like, just give him the damn Even title. though he got the pay bump. It's so, so. Yeah. I think it's because I think it's because Belichick's son has the title and it's just like, all right, well, I, they clearly work well together. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I just. If there's anything else, like I'm, I'm kind of droning on, but I no, I don't. I think it's an odd situation. I don't hate the pushback, but I just wonder, like, this sort of all started, you know, when Vrabel came back for the Hall of Fame ceremony, right? So it's almost mm-hmm. like maybe at that point they had conversations where Vrabel didn't want out, or he wanted out of Tennessee, so that starts to leak, and then the crafts are like, oh, he's available, he wants to come here, and he's gonna be available. Well, let's reassess this because he has head coach experience. We like him. And as much as we we think Mayo can be a great head coach one day, like Vrabel has the experience and, you know, that's kind of a, a secondary option. So I feel like that that very well could have been the case that that sort of started coming out after that whole thing. And, you know, they just sort of reassessed and thought, well, Vrabel, you know, maybe he'll be just as good as Mayo, if not better, because, he, you know, he has the experience. He's been to an AFC championship game. They were really that team always kind of felt like a quarterback away anyway, and then obviously they traded mm-hmm. AJ Brown and the rest is history. But they were right there. Tennessee was right there at one point. Like you go into this thing, rebuild, Vrabel, defensive coach, bring in a quarterback at number three, new OC, like what have you. That's that's what I see as like a, a cleaning house side thing. But I also what I just realized. You know who the offensive coordinator might be if Vrabel gets hired? Who Arthur Smith. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my yeah. God! I just thought of that. That's that's Belichick and Vrabel both have their offensive coordinators just waiting for them to figure you out where they're going to go. Out I just of thought, of I thought like I thought like oh, Belichick sorry. got canned or something. <laughs> you made oh, this no, 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 face no, 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 like. No. I mean, that's still I mean, Arthur Blank. I mean, Arthur. Jeez, two Arthurs. We talked yeah. about that outside the locker room. It's so confusing. But yeah, that would be very interesting. But also, I think that Arthur Smith is someone who's seen is just like he's a good coordinator. He should not be leading a team, but also you look at how, you know, what they did with the pieces that he had in Atlanta and his bizarre use of them. So we also have to take that into consideration where Brable White want familiarity. And do you really want Arthur Smith right. to be the one who's calling plays for your offense? Like, I again, I just thought of that, which is kind of scary. Fair. We'll see what happens. Right. But I, we'll I, don't, I don't hate it. It's it's interesting. It's It adds another layer to this, uh, this crazy offseason. Mayo had dips. That's all I got to say. All right, real quick, we're going to send it over to our friends at SeatGeek. We got more to discuss. We'll be back. I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets. And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code. 
Dreamers Pro for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. All right, so today was garbage bag day for the Patriots. We went in the locker room. We got to talk to some players for the last time this season. And one person who drew an absolutely massive crowd before he even got in the room was Mac Jones. Now, he mentioned that he would love to return. He has a lot of love for the Kraft family. He mentioned he has respect for Bill Belichick. Also mentioned he put on seven to eight pounds, which is pretty crazy. Over the past month or like I think three weeks or something like that, which is pretty crazy, um, clearly needs some more body armor because of all the hits he's taken over the past couple of years. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but with the report we've alluded to, Andrew Callahan and Doug Kide, again, fantastic job by the guys over at the Herald. They did mention that it was not a great situation in the Patriots quarterback room. Now, Mac has said that, you know, he he thought that he was a good teammate through it and he kept working hard and he kept showing up early, leaving late, all the, you know, all the things you want to hear. But it was also reported that he wasn't really working with Bailey Zappi, that they were preparing in their own little silos and that it was kind of an awkward situation in the quarterback room. And you know, you hear that sometimes with especially veteran quarterbacks. Like I know Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers are kind of the headliners where the veterans like it's not my job to prepare mm-hmm. you figure it out. I'm trying to keep my job. That's one thing. But when you literally throw your job away and the, the team keeps trying to give you chances to keep it. I like that. You literally threw it away. <laughs> you literally threw. Yeah. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> when Sorry. that's No, I mean, yep. I, I'll take the credit. Thank you. <laughs> when that's the case. <laughs> I would think that maybe you kind of, and I don't like, you know, Mac is so respectful with us. Like I'm not trying to turn this into like an anti-Mac thing, but realistically, I think it's a little bit odd when you consider one that, and also it's not even like that was just a report because there were games where in pregame warmups, you didn't see Mac Jones in the Buffalo game. I believe it was, he's trailing 30 yards behind Nathan Rourke and Bailey Zappi. And I'm not big drama guy read into everything, but I've literally never seen that before. It was very, very strange. And as a quarterback, you have to understand that the spotlight's on you. People pay attention to what you do. Nobody cares if Miles Bryant's a few yards behind the rest of the defensive backs. That's just like, okay, you know, maybe he's just, you know, whatever. He's preparation, whatever. When you're a quarterback, those things matter. So it was a bad look. And you just kind of have to wonder – is there really a future with Mac in probably in the league? I think it's unfair to say that he should be out of the league because the guy did make Pro Bowl alternate, I don't care. He wasn't in the Pro Bowl the past two years, but he was as a rookie. He did something right. right. So he had success as a rookie when he had a stable offensive coordinator who could play to his strengths and a supporting cast that wasn't outstanding but was good enough to compete and help them win games. But as we've seen, things have really fallen apart here. We don't know what his relationship with Belichick is actually like. And then Bailey Zappi also outplayed him this season. I think it's fair to say that he's going to come back. Zappi said that, you know, he expects that he's going to compete to be the starter next year. And they're almost definitely going to bring in a young quarterback, or at least hopefully, or not at least, but also I hope they bring in a veteran. Because as was also mentioned in the report, they probably needed somebody like a Brian Hoyer, which was mm-hmm. who was there last year, or maybe in the future, Jacoby Brissett, who can kind of keep that room together, be the glue and remind everybody, hey, guys, we're all on the same team. we got to work together and, you know, kind of right. gel things a little bit. So do you think Mac actually has a future in New England? And if not, how do you think they deal with it? Do they trade him? Do they cut him? How's that going to work? 
So um, I'm going to big market tease uh, a column that will be published on WEI.com tomorrow. Um, it is going to be titled, Don't Count Mac Jones Out Just Yet. Mm. That is the title of the column. Um, I will give some some you know detail on my thinking. I, I sort of compare his situation to another one we've seen in the NFL in the past. And you know, I won't spoil the whole thing because it, it, it interests me just to kind of see where Mac Jones goes from here, because you're right. His attitude wasn't great towards the end of the season, at least externally. You know, the I, I'm with you. Like people might think it's stupid that for us to nitpick the fact that in a social media video posted by the team in Buffalo, he was 30 yards behind Nathan Rourke and, and Bailey's eyes. But that's not nothing. Like that's a thing. Like the least you can do is run out with your guys and like go, you know, we're Show all on the same page. And for him to kind of yeah. So for him to kind of be pouty like that, you know, I didn't like that, but I mean, again, for him to, you know what? He's working on his own. He puts on seven, eight pounds. He said it today. I'm in early. I leave late. Um, he said he was a good teammate. All we can do is take his word mm -hmm. for it. Um, and so I, I look at him as a guy who struggled the last couple of years. Things didn't go his way. He said it for a variety of reasons. And he said, you know, there were things I could control. There were things I work I couldn't control, which I thought was yeah. interesting too, because you know, he was kind of like, you know, I, I haven't been great, but you know, frankly, I think what he was saying was things haven't been great around me mm -hmm. either. And so I do what I can control. And what he did the last month and a half was work out on his own, prepare himself and get himself ready for, you know, another tryout or whatever he's going to get down the line here. And so he's, he's a guy who was a first round pick, highly recruited out of high school, highly recruited out of college, clearly has the ability to play quarterback at this level, as we saw in his rookie year. Is he completely broken? I don't think so. Like, I, I think that he was broken this season, but he has been good enough in the past that there is a chance that he digs himself out of this hole. And whether that's here or elsewhere, we will have to wait and see. Um, he says he still wants to be here and that he has a lot of respect for the crafts. So, We'll see where that goes. I don't know if it's with Belichick. I have a hard time thinking that if Belichick's here, Mac's still here. But if they clean house, if they bring in a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator says, no, I like that guy. I want to try and make him a reclamation project. I've seen what he can do before. It would not surprise me if Mac Jones ultimately had success down the line in the NFL one way or another, whether it's here or elsewhere. I just think, again, could he be broken? Could he be Sam Darnold? Yes. But could he be? the person I'm comparing him to that I'm going to push at WEI.com tomorrow for maybe. And we'll just have to wait and see, but I, I, I'm with you on the fact that externally it didn't look great, but I still think he works hard and has a drive to be, you know, an NFL quarterback. So we'll have to see how it plays. And I, you know, I don't want to be Mr. Revisionist history. Like Matt came into the league as someone who people thought could succeed if he had a good supporting cast around him. And we saw glimpses Bingo. of that and then yep. was put in a horrible position where he was getting hit on a consistent basis so badly that he started to lose confidence and really just his decision-making went out the window. Like I do, I want to, I, I cannot emphasize enough. I do not think Mac was put in a position to succeed. And when he's, like you said, when he right. mentioned there were things outside of his control, my ears kind of perked up. I was like, hmm. That's a weird, it's kind of a weird thing to yeah. say. Like usually as a quarterback, you mm -hmm. just take all of it, which even that you could read into if you want to. I'm not going to. But also, I want your take on how what it <clears throat> what was your uh interpretation of him being the emergency third quarterback? Because some people said that they thought that they were trying to protect his like the uh protect an asset, which is like, I mean, as a backup, like you're really that worried that you don't even want him to 
go in as a backup in a game plan where you're probably going to run a lot in the pass rush. I mean, obviously, Bailey's never got sacked five times in that game. So, you know, we're not going to pretend like the pass rush wasn't a factor. It wasn't like the Tennessee snow game where guys had zero traction. But I thought that right, was a right. little weird. He, I think somebody asked him about it, and he didn't really give too much thought to it or didn't really give us anything. But Bill said that Nathan Rourke outplayed him in practice, which is a guy who got here only a few weeks ago and wasn't That's all – this isn't even Will Greer where he had one playoff game where you're like, oh, my God. Like, whoa, he might have something. It was like, nah, he was fine. He had some right. good plays. It was whatever. Right. What was your take there? Because I thought that whole thing was just odd. Whether it's one or the other, I think it it doesn't look good for Mac. Yeah, definitely an odd odd situation is the right you know the right way to describe it. I wish I you know there's so many reasons why they could have done it, and I don't really have an opinion on which one it actually mm-hmm. is because Mac said it today that it was a good opportunity for him to stay healthy, which I found interesting. Perhaps he went to them and said. I don't want to be the backup. I want to stay healthy for for next season because I've worked hard and I want the ability to play football next year. God forbid I have to go out there and in in favor of Zappy and you know I do something to my leg or I'm not going to talk anything to existence, but you get my point. But it could have also been a final for whatever reason, a final sort of F you from Bill Belichick to Mac yep. Jones, where it's like, and and I don't think he would do that. That doesn't feel like a thing that that's Bill's going to do. That's super petty. You know? Like, even for Bill, that's yeah, like, uh. for what? Yeah. For what reason is he going to be like, you know what? No, this is it. You're done. See ya. You, like, so I don't mm-hmm. know. And my, my only thing would be that either Max said it, Max Camp said it, or they worked together on the fact that, you know, let's sit you down for this reason, this reason, this reason. They both agreed on it. I don't think it would be sort of a, a last ditch effort for, you know, to shut Mac up and sit Mac down. So I feel like it was probably something agreed upon by them. And yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Nathan Rourke did outplay him, but at the end of the day, I, I, I don't know how much I want to really yep, look into yep. it, but I think that, uh, yeah, just that, that he saved himself from getting hurt. So good nothing we want to blow up or anything. It just, you know, it's such an yeah. odd situation. I figured it just, it was very strange. It was a very, you know, final, like, huh? Like, why are they doing this? Well, you know, at this point in time, yeah. it was kind but of nothing to like blow up. It's the end of the season. Like we have a lot of yeah, things right. are going to happen between now and then. I don't think anybody's going to remember that Nathan Rourke outplayed Mac Jones in the last practice of a meaningless season. Um, what well, was a meaningless right. season at that point, but we talk about the quarterback situation. Patriots have the third overall pick. Could have been the second, but the Commanders couldn't get it done against the Cowboys. But still, number three, as I mentioned, they're in prime position to get any other quarter. If they really, really like a guy, they have the capital to potentially trade up. As we know, the Bears have the first overall pick. It seems like they're going to stick with Justin Fields because he really finished the season on a high note. But you actually posted something today that I'm sure got a lot of attention. You can explain this for yourself. But uh, look at that. Third overall, Bleacher <laughs> Report to be my guy Joe Alt. Joe Alt, yes, gonna be protecting Bailey Zappy. Now that was Bleacher Report. That wasn't you, but <laughs> yeah. So people start flipping out uh, on me, right? My mentions are blowing up. It gets a million quote tweets, and to be fair, that's exactly why I do something like this: <laughs> is for people to see another, you know, another mock draft and go crazy about it, right? But. A lot of people thought that was my mom. I did it first. I'm not going to lie. I like scrolled past and it was like, Mike, what are we doing? (laughs) Joe Alt was kind of funny in that. uh, That pissed a lot of people off. So that's what I was. No, don't take Zach Wilson as much as Zach Wilson. Uh, I don't know. Actually, that that kind of got lost in the shuffle yesterday. The Patriot meme. No, I got uh, lucky that got buried. (laughs) But 
Uh, yeah, no. So I don't think they should take Joe Alt. Um, I think they should uh, probably take a quarterback, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me if they take Marvin Harrison Jr. either at that spot. Um, it also should wouldn't they? shock. Should they take Marvin Harrison Jr.? He, I mean, he's probably one of the best players in the class. And so are the quarterbacks, to be fair. And it's a quarterback league, and you desperately need a quarterback. Um, I, I, It would not piss me off as much as it would if they, you know, drafted again Joe Walter or Olu Fashana. Like, mm. I, I think that they need a skill position at that spot. And I, I, I wouldn't be mad if they ended up taking Marcus Harrison Jr. there. But I do think, at the end of the day, they need a quarterback. And whether it's Jaden Daniels or, you know, a Drake May, who falls to that spot, um, you know, that could that could easily be the the option too. Yep. So here's the thing for me with the Marvin Harrison Jr. thing. <clears throat> I would typically be all in. Like you get blue chip players, mm-hmm. bottom line. The thing is, I think that Caleb, Drake, and Jaden all have blue chip player potential. If they are surrounded by the right people and they are developed properly, I think they can become quarterbacks who you genuinely fear, and that's invaluable. But if you think about like, okay, so if you go into the season with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones and Marvin Harrison Jr. outside, who are some examples of pocket quarterbacks who their franchise prioritize? uh, Okay, so uh, with a franchise where you have a great wide receiver, but you don't have a great offensive line. Joe Burrow is like the headliner where everybody was saying they need to get a tackle instead they get Jamar Chase. It's a hard one to really insult them for because it's worked out pretty well. They went to right. a Super Bowl. They're perennial playoff contenders when Joe Burrow's healthy. But when Joe Burrow's healthy, Joe Burrow's gotten the crap kicked out of him for years. Mm-hmm. And it's affected his health. And obviously, Jamar Chase has had a lot of success. But you're also talking about someone in Joe Burrow who has some of the best poise in the NFL. Like, he entered the NFL as one of the best players inside the pocket in the league mm-hmm. and then actually played to that. I don't even know if there's anybody in this class who's nearly that good. And I know that Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones aren't that good. Nope. We've seen No, it. they're not. <laughs> so if you're saying, okay, we're going to go in with the quarterbacks Patriots have. If you're talking about, okay, what's their superpower? Bailey Zappi, he's got a good deep ball. Mac Jones, it's his brain. Sure. But what's a guy, another guy you want to take, talk about in a similar situation is Tua Tagovailoa, where they got him Tyreek Hill, but Teron Armstead, his best tackle, is always hurt. His mm-hmm. offensive line can't stay healthy. He has to get the ball out in less than two and a half seconds, which is pretty average for a quarterback. He's letting that thing go with crazy anticipation. And look what happened last night. He tries to throw with anticipation, but the defender broke on it, and it's intercepted mm-hmm. because as nice as anticipation sounds when it's working well, and Tua's like tearing up the Patriots because John Jones doesn't even know where he's going with the ball because he's looking this way and throwing this way. It's great when it works. It's not when it doesn't. And it'd be a lot better if he had an offensive line where maybe he had the comp. Now, obviously, Tua, like the whole getting rid of the ball fast thing, that's just been his, you know, that's kind of his thing. But at the same time, if you had a good offensive line where you can really sit back there, kind of survey the field, and maybe he can develop that part of his game, maybe we're talking about a different kind of guy. But instead, he's got Tyreek Hill, but no protection, and he just lets the ball go so fast that at times it works against him. So I don't really get the argument there because if you don't have a great, you know, if they get the quarterback, they're still going to get the tackle. So you're assuming, okay, maybe Bailey Zappi does get a good tackle. But even still, I'm not sure what your ceiling is there because at best we've seen Bailey Zappi can hit a really good go ball, but that's inconsistent. And then in the short, in the quick game, it's been all over the place. Like we haven't seen enough from him to be like, you know what? And I was even saying after the Denver game, I'm like, you know what? I want to see what Bailey Zappi's got. If he has a really good game against the Bills, 
then you know what? I yeah, may, let's see what we I got may here. buy right. into it. Let's see. And, and he didn't. He didn't live up to that. And he keeps making mistakes. Some weren't his fault. You know, he had to deal with a tough situation with like all of their best players hurt. But I just don't see how you pass up getting a quarterback who can bring up the entire offense for a wide receiver who still, by nature of the position, like you're not going to be the entire offense. You're going to be a big part of it. But you also need other things around you. And it helps when you have a quarterback who can put the ball wherever they want. Or if everybody's covered and Marvin Harrison Jr. is going against, you know, the next first, if he's going against Christian Gonzalez right. and he can't get open, it helps when Jaden Daniels can also run for 50 yards and out juke everybody in the defense. So, I just the don't one, get the argument for taking a receiver. The one pushback I'd give is like where you have, you know, when it's all said and done, where does the team or where do scouts and where does where does the pre-draft process put Jaden Daniels in comparison to those two guys? Because I know you're very high on him, and I think he's going to be a hell of a player too. But I just think that when you look at, you know, position of need and, you know, where you can get guys, like, you know, how big is your your – your, I guess your difference between a Jaden Daniels versus a Michael Penix, where, okay, you take Marvin Harrison Jr. at three, and then you use some capital and got, say Penix falls, you trade up in the first round and grab Penix at 20 or something like that. Like, there, there's a bunch of different – I know it might not point. happen, but there's a – like, you know, it's what, – what's today? January 8th, right? Like, we're, we're talking mm -hmm. about something that's going to happen in four months from now. A lot's going to change. And so I just – I look at a blue chipper like Marvin Harrison Jr., it might be hard for them to pass up depending on free agency and where other quarterbacks go and what happens. There, there's so many different options, but I don't want to rule out the best skill position player in the class. And, it, and I hate to, and I like I I like Joe Alt too. Honestly, I would take right. Joe Alt over over Marvin Harrison Jr. Because think about it: how many fourth round tackles do you know who are killing it in the league? How many fourth round quarterbacks do you know that right. are killing it in the league? How many fourth round receivers are killing it in the league? whole lot more receivers than there are quarterbacks and offensive tackles. No, that's They're a good just point. rare. There's only so many in the entire world. So when you talk about positional value, I just think it's – I know like all the great teams have good wide receivers, but they also have good quarterbacks. And right. the ones that have decent quarterbacks like Atua, they don't beat playoff teams. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, yeah, but that guy can only help you so much if you can't get him the ball consistently or with in, uh, in a position where he can get consistent yak or where he can take you know a deep ball and rather than having to jump up and body catch it, instead he catches it in stride and then goes down for a touchdown. And that's the thing we're thinking about. And you know, uh, people are talking about if you want to move up in the draft maybe or do something like that where you're probably going to have, have to give up like a future first-round pick. Imagine if they get their quarterback this year and they get like a good receiver core, maybe like one star, like a T Higgins or somebody that you respect Then next year. Oh, look, we have another first round pick and we have a quarterback who's still on a rookie deal. We can get him his guy. That's what happened with Joe Burrow. It took, I mean, he still had T Higgins, but in year two, they got him Jamar Chase. And right. that was when they really started cooking. So I feel like you can still get your receiver, but I just don't think it's enough of a priority right now. But you know, I, I know I'm kind of dragging this on. It's just, I, I I mean, I'm in my head all the time thinking like, damn, could they get Marvin? Because I that would be really freaking cool. But I know. I, just, I don't see how you do it. I get it. Team. I mean, you look at the top, the top, call it five receivers in football, like Devontae Adams, second round pick, Justin Jefferson, back into the first round, Cooper Cup, third round pick, second, third round pick. Like you can get these guys later. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't hate the sentiment. Like even Jamar Chase was top five, but Besides that, I mean, the top, top receivers currently in the league were not, you know, top of the first round picks. So I, I see what you're saying. It's a very deep position. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. It's going to be fun. And all right, last one before I get you out of here. 
Who's your favorite quarterback? Who's your guy? If they could get anybody, if they were like, you know what, we're going to trade up if we have to, we just want our guy, who would it be for you? It's Caleb Williams. It's Caleb Williams all day, twice on that's Sunday. A, that's, a, that's kind of unfair. That's kind of yeah. unfair. Other than Caleb Williams. Other than Caleb Williams. I set you up there. <laughs> Man. I think I know. It's Caleb, and then it's a, it's a – I don't think it's a drop-off. But I do. I love Michael Penix. Like, I, mm-hmm. I also – I'm a – I don't want to piss off Brian and not, you know, sit here and talk about Drake May all day because I know Brian loves Drake May. Um, so I'll give Brian Drake May and I'll say Michael Penix. I just think that his accuracy is absolutely incredible. He's also a lefty. I am also a lefty, mm. so we have that in common. Uh, but I just think his ball placement is unbelievable. Like he puts it in stride for guys that feel as though like they don't even have to move their hands because they just run and the ball finds them. Like he is so accurate and he's not, you know. I just think he's a baller. He just showed up in a freaking ski mask before the game today. Like that dude, I just, I, I love him. I like his moxie. He's, you know, he's a six year senior. He's been hurt a few times. So that might be a little bit of a knock on him, but um, he's been healthy lately. He has experience. I like Penix. I think if you watch his tape flipped, look at him as a righty. I'm with Alex Barth here. He might be the top two pick in the class if he was a righty, but I, I'm a, I'm a Penix fan. So we'll see what happens. Fair enough. All right. The actual last thing before I get you out of here, who you got okay. tonight? Washington. I just said Penix. We're going with the we're going okay, with the Huskies. I'm sure. And I'm, I'm also sure. uh if anyone wants to follow along and uh flip out with me on Twitter, I am betting Rome Adunze over I think it's 85 and a half yards tonight. He's at mm-hmm. 100 and each of his last three and his number's like 85 and a half. So I'm taking the over. Follow me along. Let's go do it and let's have some fun. Let's win a bet. So go Huskies. Doug Kide. Shout out Doug. Uh, I'm going with Washington on this one tonight. I'm in the same boat. I took the points with Washington. All right. Go Huskies. But that it's going to be a fun game. Whoever wins, oh, yeah. we are going to be entertained. It'll be fun. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you. Also, if there's anything else you want to plug for this week, I know you got the piece coming out tomorrow. Anything else you want to let people know about? A uh, quick piece on Mac tomorrow, talking about what his future holds. Besides that, we're just kind of waiting and keeping everybody up to date on what happens with Belichick here. So follow along on Twitter at Mike Cadlick, and uh, you can read me at WEI.com. Thank you, brother. Thank you all for watching, as always. Take care of yourselves. 